You may be seated, and we invite the children to come forward. Good to see you all here. I want to tell you a quick little story. You see these two beautiful young women here in the front row, all dressed up in that robe and that hat? Someday, that's going to happen to each of you. And I can remember at my high school graduation, we had about 1,700 kids in our class, so they had to divide it into two sections, and all my friends were on the other end of the alphabet. But go through the graduation, and I've got one of those caps on my head, just kind of balancing there. I had this problem called hay fever, which means you sneeze a lot. I'm sitting up in just about the back row and kind of the bleachers where the grads were sitting before they come up to get their diplomas, and all of a sudden I sneezed, and my hat went flying about 20, 20 rows down in front of me. And of course, they decided that they were going to pass it back to me, and they just did this big wave kind of passing it back until it finally got to me, and everybody knew who it was that sneezed. But I graduated anyway, and someday each of you will as well. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for each one of these boys and girls. So much there in the life that you have given to them and to their families. Father, I just pray that they will work hard at school. They will work hard at play. They will work hard at loving you and loving one another. That they will always be your children. Father, bless each one. I ask you to give a special blessing to the teachers today as they share your word, stories of how you related to your people and how you continue to relate to us. May they have open ears and eyes and hearts to hear you today. We pray this in your name. Amen. You're dismissed to rise and shine. When my daughter, DJ, was probably about three, four years old, don't remember exactly what age, but she has always had this love for animals and especially for dogs and even has some scars to show how intimate she got with some of these critters. But when she was about three or four, she spotted a dog as we were out walking together and talking and whatnot, and, and she saw this dog and, oh, daddy, daddy, can I go pet the dog? And so I said, well, if it's okay with the owner... The owner says, yeah, sure, come on over. So she ran towards the dog. Well, the dog got all excited when this little person came running at him, and he just kind of put up his paws on her and knocked her down. She quick picked herself up, and she hid behind me. She says, what went wrong, Dad? And I said, well, one of the things about a dog is you shouldn't run at them. You should walk slowly. And I says, then you need to make sure that you put your hand out under her nose and let her smell it first which she immediately did. She went to the young lady that owned this dog, put her hand under the lady's nose to let her smell it. Now, she may have wondered why she was doing that, but uh, the voice of authority her father had spoken, and so she just simply did it. She obeyed. And previously in our text, in Mark chapter 1, we've seen Jesus calling Uh, for his first followers to come and follow him and to become fishers of men. And if there's a theme of this chapter, it would probably be summed up in one word, and that word would be authority. Authority. 
And time and again in this gospel, people will be in awe of Christ's authority. In our sermon series, we are following the path. We are following God's markers in the path of life. In order to be his true disciples, let's pray that we will be challenged this morning by God's Spirit. God, as we open your word this morning, change us. Change our attitudes. Change our thoughts. Change the ways, the unproductive ways in which we sometimes live our lives. And give us your grace. In your name we pray, amen. I invite you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 21 and following. And I don't know if you noticed as Darren was reading the scripture this morning of what the focus is. I don't know if you saw it. Is it his teaching? Not really. Is it the exorcism? No. It was his authority, his power. And the people quickly realized this wasn't some sort of referred or given authority. It wasn't some sort of authority he had earned, but rather that he, in fact, is authority. He was and is authority. And we're just a little ways into chapter 1 in Mark's gospel, and already we've seen him walking along and John the Baptist giving witness to him and who he was. In uh, verse 7 and verse 18, we saw Simon and Andrew that They were called to come and to follow him and to be fishers of men. And then in verse 20, James and John leave everything behind to follow him. Folks, you don't just set aside your whole livelihood, your whole career, your whole life and go and follow somebody, do you? But here, just a word from Jesus. And they dropped everything and they followed him. And when Jesus spoke, People listened. There was something compelling about this Jesus. And then in our text, in verse 21, we come to the city of Capernaum. Capernaum is on the north, northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. And there's two, uh, when we went on our Holy Land trip, there were a couple places we looked at. One was, it's thought that Peter's house was there in that city, and there's a site that's commemorated for that. There was also a synagogue. The synagogue itself was built in the 4th century Um, But it's believed to be built on the site of the original one where Jesus would have addressed these people. And synagogue was kind of comparable to our church. It was a place where you went to hear the word of God and to learn and to grow in your faith in God. And again, Mark uses this word, euthus, uh, basically uh, immediately, straightway, just then. Various translations in the English. But he went to the synagogue and he began to teach. So, let me ask you, what do you, what do you think of Jesus' first sermon here? What do you think of it? Well, the reality is there's not much to think about because we don't have any pondering or any clue of what the sermon was about. But, we know that he taught as one with authority, and the reaction of the people was amazement. Someday I would like that from you all when I get done with the sermon. Amazement! Then I will truly know the Holy Spirit has been speaking through me. Surprised, astounded, astonished. The Greek word literally means kind of knocked out. Or in today's parlance, he knocked their socks off. They were spellbound by what they were hearing. You know how it is when you go to church. 
You get some sermons that are really good. You get some sermons that are real turkeys. You have people checking their watches for the Mariners game start time. You are wondering why they let their wives talk them into coming this particular morning and missing all the other important things we might be doing. And preachers then, in that day, as well as today, we appeal to God's authority, to God's spirit leading. But there was something different on this particular day about this person who got up in synagogue and began to teach. Jesus spoke as one having or being authority. Being authority. He captured their attention. He was authority. I played a game of pickup basketball at a college on the East Coast, and uh, I popped my knee out of joint, and it was terribly painful, uh, excruciating pain. My professor, Manfred Brock, he, he took me to the trainer's office, and he asked them for some ice, to which one young man responded, I'm sorry, but we can't give you any ice. And Manfred was a little upset by that, and he says, uh, we need a bag of ice for his knee to reduce the swelling and so on. Well, no, I'm sorry, but he cannot unless he fills out certain forms and has his insurance with him. I'm just in shorts and a t-shirt for a basketball game. And until you can prove he's a student of this university, which I wasn't, uh, Manfred said, I'm a faculty member here. May I have some ice for a drink of water, please? And my eyes were about rolling in the back of my head with the pain that I was going through. And this young trainer said, I'm sorry, but rules are rules, and I can't give you any ice. It was a petty wielding of power, it seemed like. And as we went to the doorway, I was a little upset and perturbed and angry as well as in pain. And I said the cruelest thing I could think of. I says, North Park University would have given me ice. That's the covenant school. Jesus was authority. He was and he is today. And his authority is all about people. All about relationships. And as those people were listening with rapt attention, all of a sudden, again, that word, immediately, in verse 23, a man stands up, cries out, right in the middle of Jesus' teaching. And and I can imagine all the eyes trained on Jesus, intently listening. And then all of a sudden, this man interrupts that, a scooch disconcerting, I would imagine, wouldn't you? When I was in Kalamazoo, Michigan, I was up preaching a sermon, and this gentleman in our audience got up and began to say something, and I couldn't understand or make out exactly what he was saying, and he approached me, and he gave me a couple of what looked like tokens, uh, uh, I think for those air machines or whatever, and put those in my hand, and, and then he mumbled some things, and then he sat back down. I can tell you it was a little easy to be off your game, you know, when something like that happens in the middle of a service. In verse 24, we see that he shouts at Jesus, what do you want with us? Literally, what do we have in common? The demons are saying about them and Jesus. Or in the Wild West parlance, it would be, this town ain't big enough for the both of us. And so he goes on in verse 24, and he says, Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And in verse 25, Jesus says, Be quiet, be silent, be muzzled, shut up, and come out of him. 
You see, Jesus was not ready to be revealed. His time had not come for that revelation. And so he wants them to be quiet, and so he immediately acts to expel them. And nothing, not even demon powers, can stand up to Jesus Christ. In verse 26, it says, The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Basically, he was having convulsions and and shrieking as this demon came out. In verse 27, The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with such authority, he gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. Who is this guy? Is basically what they're asking there. Who is he? We've never seen or witnessed anything like this. Who is this guy? Even the demons obey him. Who is this? And in verse 28, again our word, immediately the news about him spread quickly over the whole region. Of Galilee. 2,000 years since those people asked, who is this guy? But the same question that they asked, Mark intends for each of us to ask as well. Who is he? Who is this guy? Who is this Jesus Christ? Who is this one that speaks to my soul like no one else ever could or ever has? Who is this one who knows what's wrong with me who knows who, what my demons are, my addictions, my hurts, my problems, my wrongs, my deepest needs. Who is this that wants to speak to me, wants to expel my demons, wants to set me free? Who is this guy? Verses 23 and 24, if you'll recall, Who it was that testified to the truth of who Jesus was? It was the demons that were bearing witness. They know who the Messiah is, the Christ. The real question for each of us is not who is he, but how will we respond to who he is in our lives? Because, you see, we have two choices. We can accept Christ's authority or we can reject Christ's authority. Jesus is the authority. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Lord. And the question for every man, woman, boy, and girl here this morning is what will I do with this knowledge? What will I do with it? What choices will I make? How will I respond to the authority of Jesus? Will I accept it? Or will I reject it? Will I be in submission or will I be in rebellion? If you've never accepted Jesus, and what keeps you from doing that? What keeps you from starting a new life in him? A while back in the headlines, there was a story of a man who was in California and he was setting out on a sailboat for Catalina Island about 22 miles off the coast of California. And he gets off course, kind of a contemporary Gilligan's Island story, if you will. He gets off course, and 2,500 miles later, he ends up in Costa Rica, and he had survived the journey. It just kind of goes to show that men will never ask for directions. (laughs) 
But seriously, I, I couldn't help but think it's an analogous to the human predicament, the plight that we find each one of our own lives in. Humans looking for meaning to life, and the world seems to make it look so inviting, so alluring, so easy to follow the way of the world. Fame, money, power, sex, popularity, status. Just 22 miles away, this should be a breeze. And yet we end up going miles out of our way, out of the way. For Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And if you would like to begin to know this guy, if you'd like to be set free from your demons, your difficulties, your issues, those things in life which have kind of sucked us in and have us hobbled and have us ensnared and have us shackled, the control, life being out of control, the habits, the addictions, the struggles... I invite you to take the first step and to invite Christ, the living Lord, into your life. And you might ask, well, how do we do that? And it's simply by admitting that you need something beyond yourself. You've tried all the answers. You need something that's beyond you. You're tired of being your own authority and it's not working for you. A second step is that you're willing to believe that Jesus Christ is that authority that He, in fact, can speak with authority into your life and breathe life into you. Thirdly, to confess your wrongs, your failures, your sins, and to tell them, I'm done with that. I, I need you in control of my life. I've made a mess of it. And the fourth step is just to believe that Christ will and, and has forgiven you and to receive that forgiveness. And then finally, to claim Him as your Savior, the forgiver of your sins, and as your Lord, now giving control over to Him. Guess how verse 29 starts? Enthused. Immediately, Mark wants to move on, and next week we'll move on with him. But if you decide to make that decision, that choice for God, I invite you to talk to somebody about it. Give me a call this week. I would like to pray with you, and I'd like to help you on that path. Who is this guy? He's the one that loves each and every single one of you, no matter how much you've blown it. He loves you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word that shares of your son, your gift of love to us. God, we are now going to worship you in the giving of our tithes and our offerings to support the ministries that that you have given us to undertake. God, may we first give our lives to you. Thank you. In your strong name we pray. Amen.